Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we're here with the gigantic Giants After Dark episode. Never before have done this, right? A Giants After Dark this size. That's basically going to be the episode. I'm going to go through all of your questions. I mean, we're going to cover a lot of ground here in this episode. On what are right now the three and one New York Giants sitting in pretty good shape. Their quarterback situation's in shambles right now. Daniel Jones, he has a sprained ankle. Uh, I believe it's a high ankle sprain. We don't have confirmation on that yet, but that's where I'm leaning on that. Um, we have Tyrod Taylor in the concussion protocol. I mean, and then just list the injuries. It just keeps going. Kenny Galladay, he's got a, a sprained knee. You got Julian Love. He's in the concussion protocol. Um, even like Kayvon Thibodeau was banged up a little bit. Mark Lewinsky was banged up. They should be fine this week. But I mean, like in that Bears game, holy cow. Just one after another after another. We're going down for the Giants. Aaron Robinson's now out. It's Fabian Moreau's season. He's he's going to be the Giants' starting cornerback, CB2, for a while now. Actually, has played pretty well. Played very well in that, in that Bears game. So, that's where we stand. Three and one, took care of the Bears, 20 to 12. The Bears are not a very good team. We get it. They beat the Panthers, not a very good team. They beat the Titans, they're okay. That was the best win that they have. On the road in Tennessee, that's one you say, okay, that's a good win. The other two, you know, they outmucked two bad teams right now, but they're sitting at three and one right now. The Giants are three and one with the Packers on deck in London. I'll get to that later in Jordan on the beat, the, the London part of it. And then the Baltimore Ravens. So now is the test. Okay. Steal one of these two games. Prove to us you're for real, right? You're not going to be able to muck it up like they did against the Bears and uh, just basically wildcat and run the ball out for the rest of the game because they had no quarterback. They're not going to get the ball deep in Carolina territory twice in the first 10 minutes. You know, right? Carolina basically handed them six free points that end up being the game. You know, this Green Bay and Baltimore are going to be much, much harder tests. But all they need is one. Win one of those two. Get out of this. First six games of the season, four and two. And I don't know how anybody could be disappointed with that. Anybody, given the team, the roster, the way they played, four and two, you feel really good. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Ah, yes. It's that time now where I answer all your deepest, darkest, Giants questions with Giants After Dark. All right, we got 25 questions lined up here. 25 questions. So I'm going to rip through them, try and do them fairly quickly right and not not spend too long on any one question but a lot of ground to cover so with that being said let's get underway uh brandon from twitter says at three zoostris says i know the odell report was misleading but do you think there's a chance we could bring him back when he's ready especially if we remain competitive in the standings all right now i wanted to start with this because everybody's asking about odell beckham and landon collins and with the, the odell beckham thing uh I really just don't see it happening. Uh, now, now, let me say this. Things can change if you're talking about, you know, the Giants being like, you know, 10 and 2 or whatever. Like, maybe they do change their philosophy. But they have been really steadfast. Joe Fain, Joe Shane has been really steadfast about not paying anybody above the minimum. Right? I, think about this for a second. They signed A.J. Klein this week. Uh linebacker he's on the practice squad the Giants were you know interested in AJ Klein for a while now for weeks right but they were insistent on not giving him any more than the minimum salary benefit and that's kind of the way that they're operating right now it's right you basically could sign a guy for you know the veteran for like what is it 1.2 million but it only counts 800 against the cap now, the second you add incentives in there or anything else, then it's no longer the, the it's called VSB, I believe, Veteran Signing Benefit. You no longer have the VSB. So they're not going to be able to offer Odell the incentives. The, okay, here's a million dollars if we win a playoff game, or here's a million dollars if we win uh, the Super Bowl. Like, that's where he's going to go. He's going to go to a team like that offers him that. Likely the Rams, in my opinion, as long as as they're still good and competitive. So I really just don't see Odell coming back. He was visiting his buddies in the locker room now. Is it more than visiting his buddies? Like, does he know ownership? Think about that for a second. Does he have a relationship with John Mara? Think he checked in with John Mara? Probably. Probably. You know, the, the... Still other people in the front office that have been here. The Kevin Abrams of the world. Uh, the equipment people. So, you know, it was probably a little bit more than just visiting Sterling Shepard and uh, Saquon Barkley. It's also saying hi to other people in the building, showing his face. Uh, so, but I still, I'd be stunned. Stunned. And uh, next question is, at Pure Genius 1, Richard Gonzalez has... Is there a decent chance OBJ will be back with the Giants after this year if we could find a good quarterback? It's a 
a stronger chance, a higher chance he's back next year. But I still don't really see this as the likely spot for him to come back, right? Especially next year. His buddy Shepard, he's likely gone. Who knows what happens with Saquon? It's still sort of a rebuilding team. It doesn't really – Odell Beckham doesn't make a ton of sense for the Giants. Just doesn't. Just doesn't. So, uh, I would not expect that to happen this year. I, I, I really don't expect it to happen this year for the purpose of they can't pay him what he wants. And then who knows in the future they will have a lot of money, but I just don't see Odell being the route that they're likely to take. All right, Matt Gadecki. Question for the podcast, is it completely out of the question to bring Daniel Jones back on a one-year deal, middle of the pack, paying something like 10 to $15 million? I don't think it's unreasonable to think they could finish 9-8 and eight or 8-9, and nine, in which case they won't have a high draft pick for the upcoming QBs, and he's shown some progress. You wonder what he'd look like now if he had Dable from his rookie year. Uh, fair point. I don't think that's out of the question. I think that's in the realm of possibilities. Now it's all matters of what Daniel Jones is going to be willing to take in that regard. Right? Is ten to fifteen million for one year a good deal for him? Can he get more on the open market if he plays well? I think they have to keep that in consideration. So uh but I do. I do think that that scenario that you just unfolded there is not crazy. And people are like, Oh, you don't pay fifteen million, you don't pay twenty million a year for Daniel Jones. Let me say this. Quarterback market, remember, is in the forty, fifty million dollar a year range. That's where the high end top quarterbacks are. So the mid, the you know, if Daniel Jones plays pretty well, and he's middle of the road quarterback, fifteen twenty million, I think is probably the price range, not ten to fifteen. At Christopher Brito, from Instagram, sort in uh, Instagram said Jordan, if this team is going to keep winning and there's a chance at playoffs, Giants have to throw the money excuse away and get whoever the QB is a wide receiver weapon. Front office can't do that to the fans. Chris, I don't understand what you're talking about. Can't do that to the fans. If they get a wide receiver rep weapon, first of all, they're not getting Cooper Cup. They're not getting like you know the, the top the the top wide receivers in the in football. But let's say they add a wide receiver weapon. Are they all of a sudden a Super Bowl contending team? Like why sacrifice the future? Like uh, make the playoffs. It's fine. They, they, why would you then sacrifice some of your future? So I don't understand the logic of you can't do that to the fans. Like, does is is that wide receiver going to get them over the top? I I just don't I just don't see it. So, uh, Matt Semetti from Instagram says, if or when both are fully healthy, is there any indication on who will be more of the guy between Tony and Robinson? Well, here's what I'll say about about that. If Tony comes back, he's the out he's an outside receiver. Right, that's where he was playing this summer. So he's he's more of that number, you know, that guy who can get the ball more often. Wondell Robinson is a slot receiver, slot receiver. Okay, that's where he played. That's where he's going to play. I wouldn't be surprised right now, considering how much they like Richie James, if Robinson comes back and he has to split time with with Richie James. So if they're both healthy, huge if, you know, I don't know if that's even realistic, uh, but they both come back and they're both healthy. I think it's Tony who could end up being the guy that does more damage. Now, the big contingency is he stays healthy. Good luck with that. And part two is if Giants find a way to stay in full contention in six weeks, is there any chance Odell could actually be signed by restructuring contract current players like Leonard Williams to the free up cap space? They already did Leonard Williams 
That's the problem. They already did. Did you want them? Do you want them to restructure Kenny Galladay? Like that's where we're at right now. Do you want the Giants to restructure guys like Kenny Galladay, like Mark Lewinsky, uh, who did, by the way just signed? It's hard to even do that. They don't have a lot of guys to do this with. That is the bigger question here. That they don't have those guys. You know, there's guys that are likely not going to be on the team next year. You don't want to do their contracts. Then you have dead money, more dead money into next year. The idea is to have a lot of money next year, free up money next year, free up money into the future. Not take your dead weight and put it into future years. Carson Hageman says, question for Giants after dark. If the Giants keep winning, maybe like 5-3 and three by week 8, do you think that it increases the chances they sign outside help? like Landon Collins and, and or wide receivers not named Odell. Joe Shane, like I said before, has been extremely disciplined, extremely disciplined about not signing anyone over the minimum, right? The veteran signing benefit. I don't see him changing that philosophy. And let me say this, that is the right philosophy right now. This Giants team if you add Landon Collins, if you add Odell Beckham, these aren't Landon Collins and Odell Beckham in their prime, remember. They are not Landon Collins and Odell Beckham in their prime. Landon Collins is on the street, unemployed. These are veteran pieces you add to a potential Super Bowl winning team. The Giants are not there yet. Not with Landon Collins, not with Odell Beckham, not with both of them. Not with adding more veterans off the street. They are not a Super Bowl team. So I do not see Joe Shane switching his philosophy when he's been that disciplined so far. Kenny Henderson from Twitter, Hendo Bro, says, Have you noticed the Giants sending extra scouts to the colleges with QB prospects? Shane making any appearances? Well, Joe Shane has already seen Ohio State. CJ Stroud. He's already seen Kentucky. Will Levis. By the way, I have heard that Will Levis is going to likely be the number one pick in this year's draft by when all said and done. People who, you know, from around the league that believe that. So that's interesting. But Joe Shane, yes, goes to more games, especially than Dave Gettleman, who didn't really go outside the bubble of uh, Quest Diagnostics in East Rutherford. But part of that was also was COVID. Uh, part of that was COVID time. But anyway. Joe Shane definitely does go to more games than Dave Gettleman. So he's out there every week. He's like the scout scout. He really enjoys doing that. That's He views that as part of his job. Brandon Bean did it in, in Buffalo as well. So, yes, Shane is making appearances. But are the Giants sending scouts more to places with, with QB prospects? I think, first of all, every team sends scouts to games with big prospects. So, like, when Alabama's playing – Every team has sent scouts to Alabama throughout the year, right? You go see Bryce Young. Of course, every team's going to Alabama. They're having scouts down there. They have scouts in the SEC. Now, do the Giants maybe have more people go see Kentucky this year? Will Will Levis there? Ohio State? Um, Alabama? Yeah, I do. I think that's the case. I think you too. There will be more guys that circle and cycle through those schools last year than they would maybe, in, I mean, this year, then they would maybe in the past. L cruising down 9091. 
says you need two receivers to get you down the field to win you the game and two corners to stop the opposing team's air attack. Which two Giants wide receivers and cornerbacks do you pick from any era? Now, I'm just going to go for the last 40 years because I never saw anybody from the 70s, 60s play, so it's a little harder to do. So I'm going to make this in the last 40 years. Uh, Plaxico Burris, you have his size, and on the other side you have Odell's in his prime explosiveness. Now the other guys that came to my mind that I thought of clearly were Victor Cruz and uh, probably Amani Toomer. Like those are the other guys that kind of come to mind. But I, to me, Burris and Beckham is a really good combination to complement each other real well. The cornerbacks was a little bit harder when I was thinking about this. Jason Seahorn is probably the best cornerback, Giants cornerback of my lifetime that I can remember. So I'll say Seahorn. Now, the other one was tough. You have guys like Janaris Jenkins, James Bradbury, guys that, you know, Corey Webster was was a pretty good cornerback. Guys that have had good years, right? But Bradbury had one year. Jenkins had one really big year and a couple other years. Some of them were okay. Some of them weren't good. So I think I go DRC just because when he first came here, he was still a really high-end player and super talented. But going back and thinking about it, the Giants have not had a lot of great cornerbacks over the years. They really haven't. Uh, Schaffkampt, Tom Schaffkampt. Nick Gates was activated off pup list. What is the expectation on him? Does he actually have a shot at being on the starting offensive line this year? And if so, what position does he play? Now, it's a good question because we don't really know with Nick Gates. He hasn't played in a year. He's coming off a traumatic, really bad injury. So we're kind of going to have to wait and see of whether he could play at that level. I think he needs to f- figure if he could play at that level, if he has the strength. He, one thing he told me was that He doesn't want to come back and not be himself and not be able to do the things that he he needs to do. Like, he's only going to come back if he can play at the level he expects and that he was at in the past. So it'll be interesting with Nick Gates. I, I I don't know the answer to that. I do think if the Giants brought him back and he could start, it would be at that guard spot. That left guard spot was it's kind of I mean, Ben Bredesen's actually playing decent, but that left guard spot remains a spot where, you know, the Giants have trouble. They have trouble at times. Let's 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 be fair. And Mark Lewinsky is not gonna get benched. He's the right guard. They signed him in the offseason. He hasn't played great either. But Bredesen's the one spot that they could change. And Feliciano's been better in recent weeks. So I I th- I don't think they want to switch Feliciano up. And I know Nick Gates' best spot is probably at center. But if he were to come back, I think it probably would be as a backup center slash left guard. Uh, Tom C. 4 says, will a winning record stop the Giants from rumored trade of Saquon to Buffalo for draft picks? And I do think if uh, the Giants ha- are keep winning and have a winning record, it yeah definitely decreases the likelihood that Saquon gets moved. And first of all, that's just a rumor. I don't think that it, if they if they wanted – to trade for Saquon Buffalo. I'm really intent on trading for Saquon. They probably would have done it in the offseason. They did not. Now, obviously, there's the Shane and Brandon Bean, the GM of the Bills connection. 
and that could be something to watch out for. But if the Giants are winning, right, this is – they're not just going to then throw away their own, their best offensive player for a mid-round pick. They're not, especially when you, you factor in ownership into that equation. How does a GM go and sell that to ownership? You're sending the message that we're basically throwing away the season to your fans. You're getting rid of the face of the franchise. And be fair, Sigma Barkley is the face of this franchise right now. Which makes it harder, by the way, moving forward, in my opinion, for the Giants to get off of Saquon Barkley. Even past this year, by the way. Because ownership, the Maras, the Tishes, they look at their team. Their team is a lot more marketable with a face of the franchise. That face is Saquon Barkley. So I wouldn't, if he's healthy and playing at this level, I wouldn't anticipate them getting him off, getting off of Saquon Barkley very easily. No, Joe Shane, he's been wanting to rebuild, you know, collect assets. Like, yeah, moving off Saquon makes sense there. But I think this goes to a different level when you're talking about Saquon Barkley. The ownership level is what I'm talking about. Uh at Gian de Philippe's says, which one is which is more likely in the event of DJ Daniel Jones balling out? Run heavy Wildcat with Saquon as the play caller or Davis Webb under center? Okay. Let's think about this for a second. The Giants, it's not this idea that the Wildcat, like this was this crazy great. The Giants did it for three plays. They ran the Wildcat formation for three plays. They insisted on having Daniel Jones come back into the game to hand the ball off. So to expect them to run a lot of Wildcat, I, I really I don't see it. I, I don't see it. I, I see Dan, I see Davis Webb starting if Daniel Jones can't play this week. We'll find out more of that about that as the week goes on. Uh at Himi Bonway says, should my next jersey be an Andrew Thomas or Dexter Lawrence? That's a good question. It's a good question because, what, Saquon's a free agent, so getting a Saquon jersey at this point could be even a little risky. You don't have a long-term quarterback sign. Daniel Jones is a free agent. You don't have a wide receiver. You don't have those skill position players. So now you're going to Lyman. And Dexter Lawrence, I, I good player. Good player. Played a hell of a game against the Bears. Dominated. But Giants picked up his fifth-year option. So that only locks him in for one more year. It's a little harder to give big deals and sign interior defensive linemen. It's a position sometimes teams, when it's not a big pass rusher, and Dexter Lawrence, by the way, not a big pass rusher, teams don't want to shell out a ton of money for and sign guys to huge long-term deals for basically run stuffers, pocket pushers. So there's a little more risk with Dexter Lawrence. Andrew Thomas, I feel like, He's got a couple years left on his rookie deal. And when his rookie deal comes up, there's no doubt that the Giants are signing him. You don't let left tackles go. Nobody lets good, quality, young left tackles go. So he's locked in. So the answer there is clearly Dexter Lawrence. Rshap74 from Twitter goes, Hey, Jordan, what's up with Slayton? Besides the one deep ball, which he should have caught, was quiet on Sunday. Tyrod hit him over the middle for an 11-yard play for a first. 
Why has he been out of the rotation? Is he not clicking with Jones or just not getting open? I don't think it's either. It's He went through a stretch in training camp that he couldn't catch the ball. OTA's training camp. Like he hasn't caught the ball well. So I don't think this new regime trusts him. It's clear they don't like him. They don't love him. They had him buried on the depth chart. Buried. I mean, he was inactive. He's only playing because they're running out of guys. And even then, he's still not even playing a ton. He's still not even really producing. And what happened when his time came, and I know he was held and there was a penalty, but I'm, I, if you ask Darius Slayton if he should have caught the ball, he should have caught the ball. And it's a problem. His hands have not been reliable since the new regime took over. And that's why Darius Slayton is not playing. Uh, at FF Moon Vibes says, Gray Daniel Jones' performance in four games on a letter scale through the, these lens as a Giant fan and from a GM perspective. Well, to me, it should be the same, right? You have to take into account the deficiencies around him, right? He's limited. Like, Daniel Jones was playing an excellent game against the Bears, and if he finished the game and he didn't hurt his ankle, probably would have thrown for under 150 yards. But at the same time, played a dynamite game. But that's where the Giants are in regards to their offensive line in regards to pass protection, plus the lack of receivers and weapons. I mean, he has Saquon Barkley in the backfield and nothing else. Nothing. Tight ends who can catch the ball when you run bootlegs and play actions and they're wide open. They're not guys that are winning one-on-one. And wide receivers that, quite frankly, you could – the only team I – I mean, they're in the bottom three in the league. They're wide receivers, especially right now. Bottom three. So that's what he's working with. So, so far, I give him a B. I give him a B. His legs have been huge, a huge part of the offense. He's thrown the ball pretty well. He hasn't turned it over a ton, right? Daniel Jones has three turnovers in four games. If he keeps that up, he ends up with, what, 13 on the season? That's pretty good. That's always been the complaint about him, right? Now, can he see the field a little better? Yeah. Is he making good throws on the run, though? I've seen an improvement in that. That actually is the one thing that intrigues me the most about what I've seen with Daniel Jones this season. I've seen him throw the ball better on the run. And that's huge because that's how you make big plays in this league. Use your legs to create space, create time. And then you use your arm on the run to make big plays. Look at Patrick Mahomes. I say it all the time. Aaron Rodgers has been doing it for years. Right? Name the quarterback. Name the big quarterback. Josh Allen. What does he do? Justin Herbert. What does he do? More of that from Daniel Jones. Please. At Jin 77 how do you rate Evan Neal's start so far? From what I've seen, he's kind of reminds me of Thomas during his rookie season, trying to catch up to speed of the game. Glad to have him future All-Pro. Well, I don't know how we could book him in as a future All-Pro. Hasn't played well this year, to be fair. Now, I said at the start of the season, if you have a rookie right tackle and he plays at, as an average tackle, you're happy. But he hasn't. He's been a little below average. But he's he, he's done some good things still. I see optimism. I like the comparison to Andrew Thomas I don't think that's far off but I, I'm not booking him as a future all pro just yet I, I, I don't know how you can do that at D'Agostino Chris says what do you think the most important thing we have to do to beat the Packers is this week Chris 
in order for the Giants to beat the Packers, I had this conversation with a friend, right? You have to, have to be able to pass the ball and do some damage. You're not just going to be able to run the ball like you did against the uh, the Bears, right? The Bears stink. They're terrible. It's a bad team, really bad team. But against a team like the Packers with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, and I know they haven't been great. Their offense has been inconsistent. Blah 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 blah. You're not gonna you're not gonna win if you your chances of winning if you score 17, 20 points isn't great. It's not great. So at some point, some way, somehow, the Giants are gonna have to be able to throw the ball and make plays through the air. Andy Cunio, A Cunio three five seven seven says, "Have the Giants considered going back full time to the legacy unis?" I don't think full time is in the equation. I don't. Sorry, Andy. Uh, I do think it's going to be an alternative jersey, sort of like the color rush. You'll see it once or twice a year. So the legacy uniforms will be part of the rotation, as far as I'm aware. But permanently, people want them to go color rush and and, uh, legacy uniforms. No, they're not going to go permanently to those. But they probably will become, I believe they will become part of the future rotation. At Bay Philly says, your honest thought on fish and chips. Obviously, the Giants going to London this week. And I'm out on fish and chips. It's just not that I won't eat it. I shouldn't say out. Just not in love with fish and chips. Like, if I have fish, I want to eat fish and taste the fish. I don't want to fry it up and then eat it and then feel like I, I you know, I'm going to have a heart attack after, like all my arteries are clogged, like I'm an obese whale. Like, I, I, don't, need, I don't need my fish fried. Like, if I have scallops, I want my scallops, you know, seared, grilled. I even like my calamari. Like, I love fried calamari, don't get me wrong. But I like my calamari, if it's good calamari, I like the grilled calamari. That's like one of my favorite dishes when I go to nice restaurants. You have a good grilled calamari, and it's not chewy, dynamite. So fish and chips to me, you know, not at the top of my list. And that's why when you go to England, Scotland, really Great Britain in general, it's not like they're known for their food. It's not like this great culinary uh, melting pot. So fish and chips, I'm out. Danny Swift, T-V-A-B-L-U-R on Twitter, says, what QB in the league would perform well with the current offensive personnel? I ask because I think Jones gets too much hate. Yeah, I mean... Think about it. It's hard. You have Saquon Barkley and what else? Daniel Bellinger. He's okay. Rookie, tight end, playing pretty well. But he's Daniel Bellinger. I mean, he's not winning consistently on one-on-one routes. David Sills, Richie James, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton. Any of those guys scare you? So, yeah, I do think Jones... You need to factor that into the equation. That's why I went on this rant last week on this episode, on this podcast, saying, honestly, we're not going to get that. He's Daniel Jones is not going to get that fair evaluation that he sh- that you want your quarterback to get. He's just not. Year four, he's still not get. He's not going to get it. At Gavel Judge, are you going to start crediting Andrew? Are you going to start giving Andrew Thomas more credit? He didn't make your top five players between the Giants and Cowboys last week. Arguably, he should be third because of talent level, age, and position behind Parsons and Dak. Best tackle in the league through four games. Uh, yeah, that was an oversight on my part. So I do give him more credit. I probably would de- – I, I definitely won't – I st- still would not have him in front of Zach Martin, who's like a 
10-time All-Pro, first-team All-Pro. But, yeah, you know what? I think if I started a list for the Giants, he would probably be... I don't know. I'm trying to think. I guess if I'm drafting a team, I draft... Yeah, he's. I draft him over Saquon because of the position. But he's not a better player right now. So that we could go back and forth on that with Saquon. Uh, but yeah, you know what? I would take Andrew Thomas before I would take Leonard Williams. I would. He's a good player. Andrew Thomas is a good, solid player. Do I think he's the best left tackle in the league? No. I haven't seen that. His best game actually was the Bears, though. But uh, do I do I see him as a, a top three tackle? Probably not. Do I see him as a top five or ten tackle? I probably do, which is still really, really good. And if you have a top five or ten left tackle and you're playing at that level, uh, yeah, he's he's at the top of your list of players you want to keep. So it was oversight on my part. Andrew Thomas, give him his respect. He belonged on that list. At Patrick Caulfield, at Patrick Caulfield, 15, says, what is your expectation if Webb start, needs to start? I'm mildly excited after his performance in the preseason, experience with Dable and his mobility that is consistent with the game plan. Or am I just too close to the thing and Webb is actually just a third-string quarterback? Well, he's proven throughout his career to be a third-string quarterback. But what I will say is if Davis Webb is a quarterback, it's going to be exciting because Davis Webb is not scared. He's going to throw the ball sidearm, lefty, between his legs, try to throw from all different angles, throw the ball downfield, be aggressive. There will be mistakes probably. But they'll also be able to make, I think we'll be able to make some plays because he's got a big arm, has that arm. He does move around. Now, the one thing with Davis Webb, I think, is not quite uh, is the same as, you know, when you watch Daniel Jones or starting quarterbacks only play. His accuracy, he could be all over the place at times, in part because he tries to make all these crazy throws. But it'll be fun if Davis Webb plays. And I want to see it, to be honest with you, not because I want Daniel Jones not to play, but because Davis Webb deserves a start, man. He had to watch Jake Fromm last year, who was behind him on the depth chart in Buffalo, get a start in the NFL, and Davis Webb's been lingering here for years, right? What was he drafted in uh, 2017, 16? 16 or 17, whatever it is. And uh, 2017, actually. So five, six years, and he hasn't got an opportunity at all. Ariel Mayer says... Does Daniel Jones play if he's 75%? I don't think you play him at 75%. I really don't. I really don't. I, 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 You can't. That's not fair to him to play him at 75% because if he doesn't have his legs, which you assume he wouldn't if his ankle is hurting or not in good shape, that severely limits him and puts the Giants in a quandary. Like, If he can't run and be full Daniel Jones – with this offensive line and with those weapons, you're doing him a disservice by playing him. So I, I don't think they would do that. At Bosco1990, curmudgeon68 says, the Giants look like they're going to win themselves out of the top 10 in the 2023 NFL draft. Would you bundle a, a, a ton of picks to move up for your quarterback or roll with Jones another season and fill out the roster with a full complement of drafted rookies? Look, if you find a quarterback you like, you go get him. Big believer in that. Whatever it costs, whatever it takes. And remember... The Buffalo Bills made the playoffs in their first year under Brandon Bean. I believe they were drafting, I think, 
for whatever reason, I don't know, I got to look this up, but I think they had the 12th pick or something. They ended up trading up, drafting Josh Allen. So, yes, you keep moving up, you get your quarterback at all costs. Forget about everything else. And if you want to bring Daniel Jones back for another year, you could do that too and sit your young quarterback. If you hit on both, good for you. I'm always a big believer, and I know they are big believers down in this in Philadelphia. You keep throwing assets and bringing in quarterbacks until you get one. Calvin T, CT, I don't know. I can't read this on Twitter. Can't read this username. Do you get the sense players resent Kenny Galladay for making so much money and doing so little? I do not because Galladay has been doing the right things. I give him credit. He's been working. He's there all the time. I think guys generally like him. He's a quiet guy, but I think guys generally like him and respect him. They don't blame the player for making all the money. The player didn't pay himself, right? So I don't think players look at it that way. Uh, Sam Schreibman, at Schreibman Sam, says, chances of beating the Packers, especially after the Patriots put up a fight, uh, not great. The Giants are not in great shape at their quarterback position. They're, I believe, seven-and-a-half-point underdogs for a reason. Is it possible? It is. They've been scrappy. They've been able to put together good game plans, do just enough to be competitive. So I think the Giants can do it. I think it's possible, but not likely. I mean, the the, the Packers have not played great. They haven't. They haven't played great. I know they're 3-1. and one. They're a good team. they got a good defense. they got a good running game. Their offensive line's in better shape. They're, they're, they have, their passing game just hasn't clicked so far, That you what you're used to. But still, they have Aaron Rodgers. They're able to do enough offensively. That makes them the big favorite. I give the Giants a 25% chance to win on Sunday morning in London. Uh, at Gunna D. Stunna, what is really wrong with Tony, Kadarius Tony? He has a hamstring injury. He has a hamstring injury that keeps flaring up and keeps bothering him. It's that simple. There's nothing else there. He has a hamstring injury. He hasn't been reliable. The Giants aren't going to play him until he proves to them that he's reliable, that they could trust him. So, uh, and with that, I, we're out of questions. 30-plus minutes of answering your questions. On to the next one. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. 
Okay, we're going to wrap up real quick here with a Jordan on the beat. I'm going to tell you what it's like to cover the Giants to work for ESPN or cover the NFL in general. And this week is a unique week because the Giants are going to London. They're, they're flying on Thursday afternoon into, into Friday morning. They'll have some events out there, play what turns out to be a 9.30 a.m. Eastern game here our time. Now, I've gone to just about every Giant game minus COVID, since uh, I took took over, started covering the team in 2013. But this is a game in London I will actually be not, not be going to. So I'll be watching it on television like you guys, for the most part. The thing with ESPN, we send one of our two reporters to, to these overseas games, right? We only travel one of the two reporters. So in this case, I get the shaft. But it was kind of expected. Like, I knew it. Because our Packers guy is going to go. He's never gone before. And his team is super relevant. I mean, it's the Packers. They're Aaron Rodgers. They're, everybody expects big things from them. They're, they're a really good team. They have been super competitive the last few years. And he's never gone to London. I, on the other hand, when the Giants played the Rams back in 2016, the Giants reporter, me, went to London. So I got the trip to London. I went out there. And our Rams reporter at the time... I believe it was Nick Wagner. I think they were still in St. Louis. He did not go. So I got the opportunity to go. This time, it's not my turn. So it's going to be tough. I go to every single game. Now, COVID stopped you from traveling some. But that that COVID year, right? But, you know, it's tough. I've been in every game this year. Been in every game last year. Now, not going to London. Not the end of the world. It's a long trip. It's a lot of travel. Basically lose half a day when you go out there, which is different because you're used to going to the West Coast. You gain the time. Right? We're going to Seattle. I mean, this is a tough travel month because, you know, if you – so not go to London is not – not not is a, is a relief in that regard. I like to be at every game. I want to be at every game. But it is what it is. So I'll be doing my best to cover from a distance this week. Uh, provide you as much information as possible, make as many phone calls as possible. With that, that's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, like, subscribe, tell your friends. Let's help build this podcast, Breaking Big Blue. Come on, tell your friends. Yeah, you should be listening to Breaking Big Blue. No, you should be listening to Breaking Big Blue. You should be listening to Breaking Big Blue. Everybody should be listening to Breaking Big Blue. I'm Jordan Ronan. See you next time. <laughs>